0: Section 84 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2 by Father Louis de Ségur. Martyrdom of the Young Polish Priest. Stanislas Izora The first and principal cause of the implacable hatred of the Russians against Poland is that Poland is Catholic. Schism is still more bitter in its bigotry than heresy. Many times during a century, the Russian schism has torn Poland in pieces and covered her with blood, hoping to destroy her altogether. First under the celebrated and detestable Empress Catherine, the friend of Voltaire, then under the Tsar Nicholas I of terrible memory. Lastly, in our own days, cruelties and massacres worthy of the ancient Caesars have decimated Poland, and governors, generals, and Russian priests burn, torture, and cover with blood and ruins the faithful nation which would rather die than apostatize. The Catholic priests have been, even as in the primitive ages of the Church, The principal objects of the persecution. One amongst them, still quite young, he was only thirty years of age, has just rendered to his faith and to his glorious country the testimony of his blood. This was the young Abbe Stanislas Izora, the descendant of an ancient and noble race, martyred at Vilna in Lithuania, the 3rd of June 1863. Stanislas Izora, after his ecclesiastical studies and his promotion to the priesthood, had been sent as assistant priest to the venerable curé of Zaludko in the district of Lida. In order to preserve peace and concord between the peasants and the proprietors of Zaludko, he had read from the pulpit a declaration from the Polish lords and proprietors, conceding to the peasants the lands which they had hitherto cultivated as farmers, thus paralyzing the perfidious plots of the schismatics who attributed to the Catholic nobles all manner of perverse designs in order to stir up the people against them and to sow division amongst the Poles. The Abbe Ezora, having learned that the ferocious Muravif, the new Russian governor of Varsovia, had issued against him an order of arrest as a rebel to the laws, concealed himself and joined a number of poor Poles, fugitives like himself wandering in the woods. He became their chaplain. The authorities failing to find him seized in his stead the curé of the parish, an infirm old man entirely innocent of the act laid to the charge of his assistant priest. But he, in order to deliver the venerable prisoner, left his unfortunate companions and came of his own free will to place himself in the hands of the Russians. It should be remarked that it was before the 1st of May, before the term fixed by the imperial amnesty, That he surrendered himself a prisoner, and although his object was not to obtain pardon for himself, nor to profit by the amnesty, but to restore liberty to his curé detained on his account, he ought nonetheless, according to the terms of the edict, to have been pardoned and set at liberty. But the justice of Russia is schismatic, she does not willingly let her prey escape. Entirely regardless of the treaty of amnesty, They kept the Abbe Izora in prison, and brought him before a military commission which pronounced upon him the sentence of death. Vazimov, the governor of Poland before Mirafiv, commuted this punishment to five years' exile in Siberia, and Mirafiv tore up the letters of pardon, and arbitrarily revived the sentence of death. The dean of Vilna was desired to go to the prison on the 3rd of June at six in the morning to confess the Abbe Stanislas Izorda. He found him confined in a cell with the Abbe Zirvid, Cure of Vasilev. The young priest at the sight of the Dean rose in haste and threw himself on the neck of his old professor of the academy. Understanding the object of this early visit, he entreated the dean to attend first to the Abbe Zirvid, a priest much advanced in years. As for me, he said, I am young. I trust I shall have courage to suffer, sustained by the hope of the future prosperity of my country. The dean, having replied that he was sent to him alone, he prepared himself for confession and received the sacrament of penance with the greatest fervor. The dean, having fulfilled his mission and unwilling to believe that the execution was near at hand, left the prisoner, promising to come again to see him. Crossing the prison yard, he met an old septuagarian who asked him if it were true that the Abbe Izora was going to be shot. This was the father of the prisoner, Whose paternal heart was filled with presentiments as to the fate of his son? The dean replied that he knew absolutely nothing. This conversation attracted the Cossack general Zhamzhov. He inquired of the dean if he had confessed the prisoner and given him communion. I received no order to take him communion, was the reply. Then lose no time in doing so, answered the general. The dean returned to Abbe Isoracel and told him that he had been desired to bring him the Holy Communion. I well understand the reason, said the young priest. I am ready to drink the chalice to the dregs. Only tell me if I am to be shot or to die on the gallows. Hide nothing from me, I am prepared for anything. The dean replied with emotion, I take God to witness that I know nothing. But do not disturb yourself, only think of preparing yourself to receive our Lord. That is what I desire to do. Replied the prisoner. Half an hour afterwards the dean administered to him the Holy Communion, which he received with angelic fervor. The hour which followed was passed in conversation between the young martyr and his confessor. The abbe Isora was more tranquil than the dean, and tried to cheer him. Suddenly the door opened, and the keeper of the prison, addressing himself to the condemned, only uttered one word Come. The two priests rose. And before going out the Abbé Isora slipped secretly into the hand of his confessor a sum of sixteen roubles this was all he possessed to be distributed amongst the poor they found in the prison yard a numerous escort in the midst of which they were placed and they turned to the Faubourg where the execution was to take place the journey lasted more than an hour whoever wrote an eyewitness has seen Stanislaus Isora walking to his death, surrounded by his executioners, with perfect serenity and wonderful tranquility of mind, will never forget this touching spectacle and will ask God to grant him the same faith and the same courage when his last hour shall come. The young priest was agreeable and distinguished in appearance, with a fair fresh complexion and blue eyes. His serene smiling face showed the calmness and resignation of his soul. He wore a cassock and walked on foot. He passed through an immense crowd of people who watched him with eyes full of tears. During the whole time he showed not the least sign of weakness or apprehension. His expression was calm and serious. To see him advancing, thus reciting with his companion priest the prayers of the church, one would have said that he was going to render the last offices to a deceased brother, whilst they were the prayers of his own agony which he was reciting his own funeral escort which he was himself conducting the marketplace was crowded with peasants the whole population of vilna seemed there the soldiers of the escort had much trouble to clear a passage through the crowd to reach the circle formed by the cavalry and infantry round the fatal stake the abbe isora bowed with a smile to the commissaries who awaited him at the foot of the stake and advanced towards them with the same even step After the reading of the sentence, he knelt down to pray, received absolution from his confessor, then rose, gave his benediction to the people whose sobs and cries of indignation he heard, and tenderly embracing the priest who assisted him, entreated him to celebrate the holy sacrifice for his intention. He, his eyes bathed in tears, embraced him in his turn with affection, and giving him the cross to kiss. We will pray for you, he said but it is rather you who should pray for us in the heaven you are about to enter." The Abbe Stanislaus then kissed the cross, restored it to his confessor, pressing his hand for the last time, and delivered himself up to his executioners. They bound him to the stake. He asked to die with his face uncovered. This they refused. He was then obliged to submit to being enveloped in a long veil which covered him to the feet. It was still the Dean of Vilna who put on him this funeral sheet. But before the accomplishment of this formality, which was to shut the earth from his sight forever, the holy priest raised towards heaven a radiant face, already bright with the glory of the heavenly abode, whose gates were even now opening to receive him. Then twelve soldiers advanced, and a volley was immediately heard. Groans resounded from all present. But the victim gave no cry and made no movement. He was living still. In Russia, they do not kill with the first shots, so prompt a death would seem too sweet. They torture the victim with successive volleys which inflict terrible wounds and thus prolong the agony. After the first discharge, which had no fatal result, General Shamjov, who commanded the troops, perceived that the eyes of the soldiers who were firing were blinded with tears. He approached to reprimand them, but their emotion communicated itself to him, and a thing rare for a Cossack, he was moved himself and could only make a sign to them to fire again. They therefore reloaded, took their aim at the head and at the heart, and shot once more. A fresh cry of horror came from the lips of the multitude. The Abbe Izora fell forward, And would have fallen to the ground but for the bonds which fastened him to the stake. He was dead. The soldiers immediately possessed themselves of his clothes and threw his body into a grave which had been dug beforehand near the place of execution. This grave was filled with earth and with lime and the horses of the Cossacks were ridden over the spot several times so that no trace should be left and the troops retired at once from the place. Then the grief and indignation of the crowd broke forth, and more than one voice was heard to exclaim, God will avenge the death of the martyr. After this sad execution, the father of the young Polish martyr became mad, and the mother died of grief. End of section 84 Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C. Toulouse, France